Who will you emerge as when you no longer conform to the rigid ideas you've been bought and sold into? When you no longer bow down, play small, or shrink yourself to fit their standards? I see you. I hear you. I feel you. And I am here with you. This is Addicted to the Man, the show where we challenge the status quo and evoke radical change. Be prepared to receive life-changing transmissions while you cry, laugh, celebrate, and liberate yourself. Let's have a talk. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Addicted to the Man. Today, my guest is Shayna Connors, who is a co-creator of Global Sisterhood. And if you're not familiar, Global Sisterhood is an organization. Really, it's a movement of women, a revolution of sisterhood. And we'll hear more about it from Shayna, who will explain more about the mission and the vision. She's also a co-host of the Time of the Feminine podcast, which is here to help us inspire, heal from the patriarchal mindsets, rise into our feminine power, and be leaders in a movement that's transforming the world. I bumped into Shayna by seeing some posts on Instagram that really piqued my interest. These were messages that spoke of competition, jealousy, and judgment towards women. And I felt so inspired to get in touch with her and dive deeper into these topics. Because let's be real, these are the topics that are so prevalent amongst us women from years of conditioning. And really what I'm here to do, why I'm even here talking on this podcast is to break these patterns and change the paradigm of mistrust within myself and within our society. So luck would have it, Shana had a bit of a microphone issue and we almost canceled, and, but I decided to push through the resistance and say, F it, we're just going to have to edit and do our best to get this message out. And we did. So, um, you know, a little bit of editing had to be done and the first part of the conversation needed to be tweaked. But here's Shayna joining in as I open up the question of how she got involved in this work, what brought her to working with women to global sisterhood and how she found her path. You know, it was my own journey, very similar to you, very similar to how, you know, this podcast is a place where you're healing through the unlearning, right? Um, I got to a place in my own life, you know, I had created a career and had made a life for myself that was completely empty of the feminine essence. And I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know that's what was missing. But when I went on a journey of self-inquiry, which naturally happened through practicing meditation, um, I started to realize that the absence of feminine that I felt in the structures around me and the work environment that I was in um, was a reflection also of what was happening inside of me and that I had, I had lived a life that thought the masculine was more important than the feminine and had valued my own masculine qualities, my drive for success, my perfectionism, my ability to fit into a structure or to achieve um, to be like outgoing, like all of these more solar aspects. Um, I valued those a lot more highly than I did my more yin aspects or, um, you know, a lot of the qualities of the feminine. And so 
I started exploring like how that had happened to me, why I had chosen one thing over the other. And I realized it was because it was everywhere. It was everywhere. And that's how the systems are built. And we talked about this. Um, you know, Lauren and I talk about it a lot through the global sisterhood, but we recently talked about it in our most recent podcast interview. It's like when you have a system and ideology like the patriarchy, and then you, tr- you go to build things, you bring that ideology with it. So it's like everything gets built with the patriarchy in mind, um, because that's the ideology that's present at the time. So, so yeah, so that was the beginning and it's been self inquiry and a process of learning ever since. How did that manifest itself for you as, because there must have been some kind of, um, internal, uh, earthquake or something, right? Like something wasn't feeling right. Like, did it, did it manifest itself as some addiction, some form of addiction, or how did you know that this just wasn't right, that this just wasn't feeling right to you? Yeah, for me, it wasn't as much of addiction as it was numbing. Like, I think in a lot of ways, I more just like did so much stuff, but didn't really feel like what was happening for me. And through the process of like quieting my mind through meditating, like meditating was something that came into my life at the perfect time. And I started to just notice how I was feeling. And, you know, for me at the time it was like revolutionary, you know, I practice yoga all the time, but I feel like it was just another thing that I did. It wasn't like this really deep process of feeling my body and my feelings. It was just like a thing that I had to do in my very busy day. Um, So, yeah, so that happened. And also it was like the timing was just crazy. Like it was me too, you know, it was um, when men were getting called out and I was working in the industry where men were getting called out. You know, I lived in San Francisco. There was all these problems with Uber. Um, I worked for a big tech company at the time and I went to a conference in Toronto and there was a keynote speaker who was you know, everyone thought he was really awesome. And while we were at dinner the night before he gave his keynote, he was getting called out on Twitter for having like abused a previous employee or whatever um, years before. And I was just like, how can I exist in this world that is basically going against all of my values? It's like completely disrespecting women and the feminine. And um, it's all about like making money and all of these values. And I'm like, who chose these? (laughs) Because this is not necessarily what's aligning with, you know, my heart. So that totally fascinates me because I'm looking at you and you're so young and, you know, for someone to actually have these questions, you know, prior to anything like drastic, dramatic happening, right? Because you talk about the Me Too movement. That's basically Mm -hmm. what, what started this Mm -hmm. questioning in your, for you, right? Mm -hmm. So prior to the Me Too movement, I actually was in corporate America and I had a sexual harassment um, situation and I brought it up and this was a good old boys club, a 150 year old company, you know, Mm -hmm. all the top level executives were males. And uh, I was basically, everything that I said was basically, just swept under the carpet. And I was told to, you know, turn the other cheek and smile and do the good job that I was doing and just, you know, be quiet. 
And I, I, I felt like this little, little nothing, right? Like all my sense of power that I thought I had in this, in this system because I played by their rules. Once I was no, no, no more willing to play the rules, I was basically swept under the carpet. And then a few months later, I lost the job, my job. And this was before the Me Too movement. So I, did, I really didn't have anything to like grab onto and just say, you mm -hmm. know, like this is a movement happening. So that's how it started for me. I didn't even question any of this until until that moment. And you know, I'm I'm an older generation, so I've I've gone through a lot of, you know, three marriages, uh, domestic violence, all of that. For me to be able to say something is not right, so I, I'm really like it fascinates me that you know that younger women are waking up to this realization so much sooner, and mm -hmm. um, and you know, your call to work with women. And when you first introduced your podcast, which is the Time of the Feminine podcast, um, that's when I found you actually. And mm -hmm. some of the write-ups that you had, it was like, oh man, they're speaking my language. When you were saying, you know, like, I see you, I've been jealous of you, like you're talking to other women. And I was like, well, finally, someone is able to, to, articulate the things because there is so much jealousy and so much um, ill will between women, I feel that, um, and I was trying to scream this, like, can we come together? And, you know, I, I tried to create an organization and, and it just pulled me down with it. So mm. I'm trying to find out what it is that you're finding in your journey with working with women. How do you how do you help yourself to overcome these jealousies, these, these, this ill will and all of this conditioning that we've been given as women and, and heal that and truly have this passion and inspiration to work with women and see them rise to their fullest? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, there's so many things I want to say, obviously, because this is like my life's calling and um yeah, there's been, I've been in training since I was a little girl for this work. Like, you know, I have a sister who her and I just didn't get along. Like we're just different people and now we're best friends. And I had a girlfriend growing up who we went through every single challenge that you could possibly imagine with another woman. Um, and we've played both sides, you know, victim and perpetrator. And all the things we talk about, all the things that we, um, share about how to relate to other women and how to heal and um, how to forgive is all work that Lauren and I have done because we've experienced it. And so like, first off, it's super, super real. And Lauren and I are still in the sisterhood journey every single day um, with one another. And some of the things that I've learned is listening, you know, being able to listen and to hear someone else's experience, because really we do all have completely different universes that we exist in. And the moment that we can start to open ourselves and to hear what others are trying to say, um, because not many of us are that good at communicating, you know, we're still learning, especially women to open up our voices and to share our emotions and to, to speak from our hearts and all these things. It's not easy. Um, so when we can learn to listen and then allow ourselves to stay open and that listening process that's one thing we can do. 
And then, you know, when it comes to jealousy or competition or feelings of inadequacy or, um, you know, all these things that come up in the reflection of other women, like this is something I still work with. It's remembering that for me, this is what I tell myself. It's remembering that these women are eliciting some part of me to wake up, to express, to become more of something. Like there's one woman who I think is so beautiful on Instagram and I love the way she expresses and she sings and the way she emotes. And when I end up feeling somehow that I'm not good enough, I try and remember that this really is like a blessing for me to be able to see this as a way for me to expand myself and to realize that these things that she has are actually things that I want and, and that I have too, you know, like I have this inside of me. And, um, there's a really awesome exercise that, um, if you're experiencing like some kind of, um, like, oh, this person has such a good thing going on. Um, there's an exercise you can do to, to find it within yourself. And it's really to, to list like three women you really admire and, and then go through all the qualities that they have. And then, um, and then like highlight the qualities that they have in common and you can like circle them and then to say it as an I am statement. I am a brilliant creator. I am a world-class podcast host. You know, I am a singer that creates transformation and to start to like own those parts of ourselves because often we call it, it's a light shadow exercise. And um, often sometimes these light parts of ourselves, these really beautiful aspects of our being are in the shadow. We can't fully see them, but we see them in others. And then we become jealous or we become like, oh, that person has something going on that I want. And so really what that's illuminating is as part of ourselves that wants to be stepped into more fully. Um, and so, and so when it comes to sisterhood, I really think it's about like taking ownership, about taking personal responsibility, about creating better relationships. You know, we also get to choose if something feels unhealthy, we can leave it behind. You know, that sister I was referring to, um, that we've, we've played all the roles together, victim and perpetrator, you know, we're no longer as close. I still love this woman deeply and I respect her as one of the greatest teachers I've ever had in my life. But I also made the decision that it wasn't healthy for me to stay in that relationship. Um, and so I think sometimes we have to honor ourselves in that way too. And, and then, you know, when the relationships are important is to stay in the fire. Lauren and I, I talk about this all the time that the people that you can go the deepest with are the ones that are willing to do the transformative work with you and to sit in that fire. That's incredibly uncomfortable, but it is transformative. And so when you can sit there and be patient with the process and open your heart to the best of your ability and slow down, um, there's, there's something beautiful that can happen. So, so yeah. <laughs> So can I ask you right there, what does it look like for you to sit in the fire? Because I get this question over mm -hmm. and over again. It's like, what are you doing? How do you do the work? And, and sometimes I sit back and I'm like, well, first of all, what is the work? And second, like what, you know, if I say I'm doing these modalities, 
does that qualify as doing the work? And now, you know, do I satisfy your question? Or is the work doing the work is sitting in that fire? And what does it look like? Because, you know, when when the jealousy arises, or someone triggers you, right? And those are things that being triggered in you because those are things that you haven't embraced and you haven't really fully let yourself experience then you're really oh it's it, it there is so much hatred sometimes i'm like i hate this person for showing me this and you know my immediate reaction would be to close them out you know not have any contact with this and just make them wrong and then you know, close up and move on to something else. So what does sitting in the fire really look like? Great question. And I think it looks different just depending on what you're working with. And if you're working with another person or a group or, um, but when I say sitting in the fire, um, I'll speak about it individually and I'll speak it like in, in relationship with another one other. Um, so individually, like when you're feeling triggered, sitting in the fire is sitting with your feeling sitting with that feeling that's terribly uncomfortable and allowing yourself to feel it. Like you don't know how little we let ourselves feel to truly feel and to sometimes express, you know, like what does hatred make you want to do throw things? Like how often do you actually throw things, you know? So how often do we let ourselves emote what is arising? And so when I think about sitting in the fire, it's that like sitting with that ugly feeling of hatred, because what happens when you can sit with it, it moves, you know, you're not hateful today, but you were at one point in the future, in the past. And so it's like, it, it naturally transmutes. And so for me, just like getting to know that feeling better and be like, wow, that's so interesting. Like hatred's coming up right now. Like it feels really yucky. Like, where do I feel it? I feel it in my solar plexus, um, you know, and I feel this closing in my heart and just kind of being with it. And, and it, you know, you can practice any modality also to move through it. I think that's important too, but being able to feel it, it's not something that I do all the time. I'm not saying I'm perfect at sitting in the fire, but when we can learn to sit with these things and truly feel it, I feel like there's a big opportunity for all of us to create transformation. Um, and when it comes to being in relationship with another, like, you're able to feel your feelings. And I love using the practices of nonviolent communication um, because so much of it is about taking ownership for how you feel. So coming back to like, how do I feel in this conversation right now? You know, I'm feeling like, you know, my heart's open and, you know, I feel a little bit, uh, feel a little bit uncomfortable about what I'm saying or whatever the thing is. But I'm not like, you're asking me silly questions and therefore da, 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 da. No, that's not how it works. It's like, I take responsibility for how I feel when, and, and I don't project it onto the other person. Like a good example is my dad and I got in an argument last night or a few nights ago. And it was super triggering as family fights can be. And we were driving in the car. And I could just feel him just like projecting a bunch of stuff on me. Like you're judging, you're doing this, you're doing that, blah, blah, blah. And I had this guidance come through from somewhere. That was like this voice in my head that said, you're teaching your dad how to fight. Mm. Like healthy, 
you know? And I was like, okay. Cause my dad has this natural tendency to just shut down, which I think so many of us do when it comes to, um, confrontation. And, and so like, it kind of gave me some like extra force to be able to show up. But what ended up happening is like, I got to kind of like teach a little bit through that. Like, Hey dad, it doesn't feel good when you tell me on these things. Like when you, I feel like you're, you're telling me that I'm being judgmental. Like, can you instead share with me about like how you're feeling? Like, how do you feel right now? And he's like, I feel really sad. And I'm like, okay. Like I also feel really sad. And, um, and in that moment too, with him, another thing that ended up being really helpful was taking space, like pausing. Cause like sometimes when you're in a fire, you're in confrontation, the fire becomes very fast and it starts to eat everything alive. Like in a fight, you can just imagine like, you know, the energy's moving back and forth more, more and more and more quickly. And so pausing and allowing like the energy just to move down, like so much space opens up for like a new pattern to emerge. And that's when you can start bringing in, like, how do you feel? This is how I'm feeling. So for me, that's what sitting in the fire is. It's like sitting in the discomfort with the intention that you will be able to move to the other side. And you don't know how long that will take. Sometimes you're not sure, but it's like you are motivated and willing to be there despite how uncomfortable it is. And you're not going to leave. You know, you're willing to sit in the fire. You're willing to sit with that discomfort until something emerges. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like a solution, you know, but it, it's potentially maybe the energy shifts or you feel some kind of completion cycle, or you realize that you want to spend more time on this later. Um, But I think it's like a willingness to face what scares you too, Mm -hmm. and to be in that discomfort. So what I'm hearing is, is sitting in the fire, it's, it's basically your full responsibility. It, it has nothing to do with whether or not, because you're like, you know, you're committed to staying with it. It has nothing to do with the other person because the other person may walk away or may not uh, participate in that. Right. So, but you can still choose to do the work uh, yourself and then staying with it. Right. And um, so, you know, it's funny that you brought up um, nonviolent communication because uh, a few months ago I, w- I was in Costa Rica. I spent a few months in Costa Rica and uh, we did a little experiment with uh, two other women. So we, we got a house together, three of us together and my daughter and, um, and we held each other accountable for, you know, staying in that fire. There were so many triggers that were coming up. I mean, it was like, daily almost. And one of the women uh, used nonviolent communication, but I felt like you can even use that. You can use any modality, I feel, to your advantage and to use it in a way that, you know, it. you put the label on like nonviolent communication, yet you're so violently delivering that. Right. And so, you know, I just feel like there is so much, you know, there's so many so many ways to to have this lingo and and make it look like we're actually working whereas you're really manipulating the other person or even yourself right so i'm just trying to figure out like in your experience because you work with a lot of women you have a global sisterhood that is a huge organization 
And so what is your experience? How are women coming together? Are you, do you feel, how do you feel about all of this? Do you see any, any um, movement happening? Do you see any, any healing? Yeah. And your point, I just want to speak to your point really quickly, because your point is great. And I think that's like a perfect example of bypassing. Like, you know, we can put all kinds of names on it, but if it's a, you know, a sheep in wolf's clothing or whatever that saying is, um, you know, it's still the same stuff. Still the same stuff. And I think that's what all of us who are doing inner work have to really continually work on is, is our intention good? You know, like, are we showing up with an open heart? You know, are we speaking with kindness and compassion? It's all like in a way, super simple, but we can complicate it because this Mercury is in retrograde and, you know, all these different things are happening in the astrals and my moon's coming. Like there's a lot of things that are happening in the world right now, you know, and there's a lot of new modalities that we're all getting access to all at once. Information is like everywhere and um, it's beautiful. And we also just have to remember that in a lot of ways, it's really simple. Um, so when it comes to women and it comes to what we're creating right now, um, I think why we've been able to continue to grow this, this intention of bringing women together is because the, the motivation is very pure. Like Lauren and I really see a world where women are inspired to come together to heal and to do inner work and to have safe, safe spaces of sharing and transformation so that we can show up better with one another and we can start building and creating this, this world that we want to be a part in that's nurturing and caring and um, supportive to both men and women. And, and where we are right now is like such a beautiful place. So the, the quick story behind Global Sisterhood is Lauren started it in 2016, um, along with a few others. There was actually a man involved who was like the first person to receive the vision of Global Sisterhood. And along with Lauren, um, they started a movement and it happened, it happened really naturally. Um, there was a video that went viral on Facebook and women around the world heard the call to gather in circle and women in 60 countries that year gathered on International Women's Day. So it really started with a lot of force. And since then, like the structure of the organization and the people involved has shifted and evolved. I joined in 2018. Um, and since then, Lauren and I have been like side by side running this mission together. I really do feel that it's a sisterhood mission and the two of us were meant to be side by side. And I had to go on my own personal journey and she had to go on her journey. And then coming together was um, a really important moment and healing for both of us. And now, you know, what I see is that more and more women are awakening every day to their power and are wanting to go deeper. And then they get to a certain point where they want to begin to facilitate experience, experiences for others because they realize like how impactful this has been to their lives and their relationships. And so um, what I see happening is just, you know, women awakening everywhere. Like I get emails from women in countries that I have no idea how they found us or, you know, um, how they, you know, what journey they went on to be able to get here. Like in a country like Saudi Arabia, when 
you know, we think we have it hard in the United States, like, like they, they, they don't have rights, you know, there's a lot of things that they don't have. And so um, I think that a lot of the beauty of what we're doing is the diversity and the collection of these lighthouses that are popping up all over the world that are wanting to be a part of something bigger. And so Lauren and I stewards are constantly trying to figure out what that means and what that looks like and how we can better steward it. But Global Sisterhood very much has its own consciousness. And so Lauren and I like learn, have learned and are learning to work with it and to steward it in the best way possible and to continue helping it helping it to grow to its full potential and like what that looks like fully I get glimpses but I really you know I have no idea and what I hope is that the women that are involved can can really take it to where it's where it's meant to go mm-hmm. so now I'm wondering you you mentioned and I had no idea that when it started in 2016 uh, one of the founders was a male Mm-hmm. Do you feel that that had something to do with the fact that it became that, that it went viral, that video, or that it was receptive? Yeah, uh, 100%. Do you feel- mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so at the time he had a platform um, that's still around called Unify, and it's a global mass meditation platform. So at the time they were doing these mass meditations around the world. So they already had an audience and they had an email list and all these things. And so he saw Lauren leading a women's circle on International Day of Peace. And it was a big women's circle in Austin, Texas at the Capitol building. And on that day, Lauren was sharing exactly what you said before about that email that really spoke to you about, I've competed with you. I've been jealous of you, all these things. And every woman like received a rose and they all kind of expressed like this similar thing. Like I've, I've done this you know, and I'm, I'm willing to stand up for something that I believe in, which is, you know, these other things instead. And this man saw it and had like a full vision of women gathering all around the world, like on the new moon, women's circles. Mm. And so that's what happened. And so, yes, I a hundred percent think that, you know, that was supposed to happen. And, um, could that have been a woman? Certainly you know, but he happened to have the network and the access and uh, the vision, the foresight to be able to see that this could be something. I see. And when I was listening to your latest episode this morning, you had talked about uh, including men in this movement as well Mm -hmm. is, is, and, you know, I have some backlash from some of my listeners uh, when I bring on uh, a male person, a male to interview and, you know, get their view on, on where women are or how they view women. And I get some backlash saying, you know, I'm asking the oppressor, like, you know, why do I ask that? But I feel like we need to open up and, and listen to all, all of those things because, um, sometimes when we're in our shit and when we're in our triggers, we can't see beyond that. And it takes someone else who is unattached to this to be able to point that out. So that's why I was asking about this male being in, you know, the first uh, to start global sisterhood is because sometimes 
sometimes we don't receive the message from 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 the very same people that reflect these truths to us who trigger us, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes we need that outside voice to come in. So how do you see that happening? Because global sisterhood is for women, right? But but right. you're also wanting to include men in it. How do you see that happening? How do you see us working together to yeah, I mean, I love I love that question because I think right now like that conversation in general applying to so many different things is incredibly important. Like how can we learn to listen to one another like when we, they have a different opinion than us um, or they come from a different background. First of all, not all men are oppressors. <laughs> you know, men are beautiful and they've been impacted by the patriarchy just as much as women have. Like we're all a part of this system. You know, and they didn't create it. So I want to share this story um, of Lauren because I think it's actually very fitting, but Lauren went to the International Conference of Women at the UN in 2017 and Lauren's had her own experiences with, you know, sexual traumas and these sorts of things as so many of us have. And there was a presentation done by a man who was a sex trafficker, a recovered sex trafficker. And in that experience of him sharing his story of his oppression and how that led to the oppression of others, this cycle of, of you know, hurt people hurting people like Lauren's compassion broke open and she started to have this perspective of, wow, hurt people, hurt people. And so this man's not inherently bad, but he had so many traumatic things happen to him that then he turned to doing these really traumatic things to others because he didn't know how to healthily express himself. And so, you know, we're, we're experiencing this today. We're experiencing hurt people, hurting other people. Um, you know, a lot of us feeling like we're victims and therefore making other people wrong, um, wanting to blame other people, take them down. Um, really, like this is different from the mission of global sisterhood. Like we're looking to restore balance between the masculine and feminine. And we have the masculine and feminine in each one of us. It's not really about being a man or a woman. We work particularly with women because the feminine has been so oppressed in women and women are really the ones to like bring back that energy and that force. Um, but really it's about the feminine and how can we bring those into harmony? And that involves, that includes men. And Lauren and I talk about this a lot because it's, it doesn't help to shame men. It doesn't help to make men wrong. Are there men that do bad things? Of course, you know, are there men that have hurt us? Probably, you know, are there women? Probably. Yeah. And so I, I think it's important also to hear different perspectives and to hear the other side. Like, I don't think it makes any sense that, you know, we live in this world now where we can't be friends with someone of a different political view or a different opinion about anything, really. You know, we want to live in these echo chambers where we all kind of have the same ideas about things. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that creates for, you know, diverse and interesting and meaningful conversation. Um, and so I think it probably would do a lot of good for all of us to become more open-minded and learn 
to find value and hearing something that's completely different than what we believe and talk about sitting in the fire. It's not always comfortable. <laughs> like you have to say a lot of shit when you hear someone talk about something like, you know, that you really don't agree with, mm-hmm. but I think that's really important. Like, I don't know when we stopped being able to hear one another, like, because there was a point where people used to be able to be friends with people of all diverse, interesting, like points of view. So I think we need to get back to that a little bit too, and kind of be more willing to hear and see what we don't quite understand. Mm, Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, I'm like, how do you do that? You know, because I'm thinking, you know, we create a safe space, a, a, a container where, where you can relax and, and feel comfortable right. and then bring in these uncomfortable uh, discussions, right? So you have to create some kind of rapport with these, the, the people that, that you want to present these uh, ideas to. So um, do you feel that you have that container um that you've, you've created that container where you can now really go deep and real and, and, and really open up these uncomfortable and have you opened up uncomfortable, uh, you know, conversations within your community? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So within global sisterhood right now, it still feels good to keep like our circles, just women. I know there are women that are opening up their spaces to include men too. And personally I've opened up spaces in my community for women and men. And it's interesting, like, you know, it's like there's dynamics for sure. And um, I have been in circles where there have been really uncomfortable things that have been brought. And it's actually beautiful when you're with a group of people that you can trust, um, seeing what's possible to come from that, because I think there's a lot of healing that can happen. Um, Do I think that any random group of people should get together and start having these conversations? you know, (laughs) without people who are trauma informed in the room and, um, and like opening up really deep and vulnerable spaces. No, I don't think that, I don't think that's safe always, you know, um, I think it is good to build rapport and to, um, build trust within a group. And, and then if you're going to bring in a new factor, (laughs) men being a factor, um, to like have men that you know and trust too mm-hmm. and kind of like create guidelines beforehand that could keep everyone safe. Um, but I, but I do think the work's important and I think I'm going to learn um, as I go on this journey, creating more spaces like this personally, like what it looks like and how it feels and what's what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, my intention is to continue doing this work because I think it's super important. Yeah, it's something it keeps calling me back to this, you know, working with women. A few years ago, I had an organization in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an all female working community space. This was when the rise of the female com- uh, co working spaces started. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, I played around with different. Uh, ways of getting attention uh, from women to, to, you know, to be a part of this organization. And what I found, unfortunately, and, and, you know, this is my experience, and I'm just trying to find out if this is like a, you know, isolated experience that is this something that I bring on because of my own 
lack of trust in women and, you know, in the feminine, or is this a universal thing? So one of the pictures at this organization I had, it was no mansplaining and it was like a big red, no mansplaining, you know, and that was like the highlight of the whole space. Like women were taking pictures and I felt like the way we could unite is we're uniting as a group because we're against something else. Mm -hmm. And so that's what, that's where the, you know, the sisterhood seemed to form around, but it didn't feel good. I was, I, mm -hmm. I didn't feel good to me because I'm like, can we create a sisterhood? Not based on, you know, we're pressing against anything. It's just because we just truly honestly want to be together. Like mm -hmm. I have this deep, wanting desire to to have this communion with women and I, I can't find it I don't know how to find it and that's why I'm searching mm. so um yeah and what is your experience like mm -hmm. do you feel a true communion do you feel like you have quality women not quality but women mm -hmm. in your life that you can truly just be honest vulnerable mm -hmm. and and trust fully mm -hmm. I do um, I do, but like I said before, like I used to have these, <laughs> these really toxic friendships. Um, and as I did my own healing around the feminine, like healing the, the mother wound and healing sisterhood wounds and forgive, forgiving, um, myself and also them, um, my friendships really started to change. And even the friends that I already had, um, it took it like 20 steps deeper. I don't, and I, I can't explain it. Like even my sister and I now are best friends. So it's like this magic of doing the inner work around like these particular topics. And it's, it's something that we go into extensively. Like if you were to do like our circle initiation course or now a sacred facilitator on um, these programs that we offer, you know, the first modules are healing the mother wound and healing sisterhood wounds. And I can't tell you how many lives it changes because, because a there's a lot of mistrust, you know, that women experience with other women um, jealousy, uh, competition, judgment, all of it. Like, it's something that's like rampant and, and yeah. And, and we have to do the work. I think like, th that's my belief. At least that's why I'm doing what I'm doing is because I do think that we have to take accountability and then things just start showing up differently in our lives. And the work doesn't end. It's not like, Oh, one day you get to a certain point and then, um, things become a lot better. Like I have such deep, beautiful friendships, but they're not easy. You know what I mean? Like I was speaking to one of my closest friends last night. She's like a dear, dear, dear sister. And last year we were both going through like a kind of dark period. We were both like in the shadow side of the feminine experiencing a lot of grief and pain and things. And our relationship was hard with one another because you know, she felt like I was bringing her down. I felt like she wasn't patient with my experience and, um, you know, but <laughs> we've both grown too through that journey. And yesterday, like we connected and it's just like, she's my soul sister. I love her so much. 
And like, despite that we haven't talked in a few months and that like, we're not always around communicating. Like when I get back with her, like, it's just like never skipped a beat. And so, yeah, like, I think, I think you're right in that it's really hard to form community around, (laughs) around like hating something (laughs) or whatever, you know, it's just like a house of cards. Like you're not built on anything solid, but when you can form community around like values and respect and um you know like a commitment to one another like I had a girlfriend in Austin um when I lived there and she was like can you tell me on a scale of one to ten how likely you are to be living in Austin in the next five years because I really only want to be friends with people that are committed to being here and I was like you know what? I really respect that because like she's looking to build long-term friends she knows what she wants and she's like interviewing for her friends just like you would with dating And I think that can be important too, you know, really like knowing what you want out of friendship, what that other person wants out of a friendship um, and then going from there. So yeah, there's so much to learn. There's so much to learn sisterhood. And, you know, you mentioned healing the mother wound. I think that that is my biggest thing, healing this mother wound. And I know that you work with a lot of elders and you interview mm-hmm. uh, women who, who are, who has, have this wisdom. Do you feel like healing the mother wound also kind of opens up the door to healing that sister wound as well? Like it, mm-hmm. it, it actually helps like, you know, to do that work and, and you've uh, immersed yourself in that work just uh, recently, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think healing the mother wound helps us remember why we have been in competition with one another, you know, mm. like the scarcity and this feeling that there's not abundance and like that we're not taken care of. We don't have what we need that we're not enough. Like all these kinds of things stem from this disconnection to the mother. Like when you are connected vertically and you know that you're taken care of and supported and guided and are a child of this earth, you know, what happens horizontally is just not as shattering. It's not as like, it doesn't create as much friction because you know who you are, you know what your connection is, you know who who your guidance comes from. You know, it's like this, this deeper understanding of who you are And I think so many women have been traumatized by the Western ideology of the, of the, of God being a man, you know? And so when you reclaim this goddess, this aspect of a feminine God within yourself, it's so empowering that it really like helps illuminate so much darkness that was there, like almost immediately because it's like this, like coming home to this essence that is in you, but also in all things. And so when you start to feel that within yourself and then you get to see it within others, it's like, there's nothing like it really. It's like this compassion is overwhelming because you're a part of something so much greater. You're just part of this unfolding of this great mystery that no one really can fully explain. So I... I definitely think like the, the connection to the mother is what launched me on my global sisterhood mission. Mm. Like I had a deep encounter with the divine mother. And then like a week later I was leaving my job and going to work on global sisterhood. And so that's like, what was my 
path is knowing her. And then everything else started to make sense more. <laughs> it still doesn't make that much sense, but. <laughs> so can I ask you about that encounter? What, what did it, what does it look like? A deep mm. encounter? Like, is that a knowing, is that a, an, a, uh, an occurrence outside of yourself or is that something within yourself? What, what did it look like for you? It was deep, 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 deep within myself. And it was a place that I had not accessed before. And um, it was my first time sitting in ceremony and it just kind of ended up being this like really serendipitous timing of everything. But I encountered this part of myself that was so ancient and wise and beautiful and vibrant and feminine. And up until that point, I had never experienced that part of myself before. I didn't know this feminine aspect of who I was. Like, I think I had been feminine, but to really like feel it and embody it was something like new and completely different for me. Um, and so it was a feeling, it was like a vision. It was like this whole body knowing. Mm. Um, the way I have vision is almost like in my body I'm now starting to see more visually. So like if someone's trying to like listen to me and understand how I experienced it, experienced it originally it was like in my body. It felt like, like my DNA was coming to life and showing me a story um, of who I was across all these lifetimes. And, um, and now it's, it's becoming more like visual, like I can see. Um, and so, yeah, so that was just kind of like, this reminder of like who I am and why I'm here mm. and 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 yeah and really just like affirmed the like I had just met with Lauren for the first time in person the week before and then I got invited to ceremony and um and then I had that like really deep feminine awakening and then you know a couple weeks later I was moving to Austin so mm -hmm. So tell me about this training that you have coming up February 14th, the, the sacred facilitator. What mm -hmm. is your vision with this? I know you kept it to 60 people, right? Yeah. And it filled yeah. up crazy, like quickly. And yeah. so what is your vision? What is your mission and vision with this? Yeah. And so like, it probably helps to speak just a little bit about what Global Sisterhood's vision is, is like, we're here to train leaders. We're here to train leaders that our new paradigm leaders that are stepping into new consciousness for ourselves and for humanity that are here to lead through service. And so Global Sisters offering up until this point had been mainly focused around women's circles. Like that's where we had been focused, but really what these women are in their essence are facilitators. They're facilitators of transformation. And so as Lauren and I thought about what we're building, this ecosystem that we're creating, we see, um, you know, this whole diverse ecosystem of all these different teachers who we are so lucky to learn from getting to use our platform as a place to, to, to share their visions and their voices and um, their years and years of experience. And so sacred facilitator is kind of a combination of those things. It's a facilitator training. But we're also bringing on these, these teachers, these wisdom keepers um, that have, informed Lauren and I on our missions and have been doing this work for some of them, 70 years. Um, and so Sacred Facilitator is 
it's a rite of passage for each participant. But as you go through this rite of passage, you also learn how to lead a rite of passage. Um, right now it's 15 weeks and it's really a deep dive into the things we believe that are most important to facilitation, which include deep inner work. Um, that includes decolonization and deprogramming and connecting to the mother and healing sisterhood wounds. And it also includes, you know, connecting to your own indigeneity and your ancestors and learning how to properly create sacred ritual and how to be respectful and how to not culturally appropriate um, and how to create trauma-informed spaces and um, to bring people together and really have reverence. And so like what I see is most needed in our world are better leaders, you know, more women leading and having the tools and the resources to be able to lead in a way that's more heart centered and reverent and, um, and really like thinking of, of people and being able to lead them through transformative experiences. Like ideally a leader can help others transform too. And so the whole vision with sacred facilitator is, um, you know, we're bringing in 60 women for 15 weeks. We'll have a different um, other like co-facilitator coming on and sharing their wisdom. And so those facilitators are um, grandmother uh, Mona Palaka, um, who's a Hopi elder. We have Juanita Robertson, Yaya Luisa Tish, who's Yoruban priestess, um, Claire Dubois, who's the founder of Tree Sisters, really just like these beautiful wisdom keepers that have so much to offer that will come and share um, in their specific module about why this is so important and give like a lot of meaningful insight. And so I'm really excited about it. It's our first one. So Lauren and I are like super busy with building the curriculum and making sure that everything is like in the right order and all this kind of stuff. And naturally we're just going to learn a ton through it. And so um, the first one's always really memorable and I picked scholarship applications today and was going through the videos of women who applied and it's just like so fun to get to give the gift of a scholarship and let these women mm. in. So. To, to wrap up, I have, I have a couple of questions. Uh, first of all, what is your greatest joy and your greatest, I don't know, but what word I should use, not disappointment, but, but maybe frustration work with working with women. Mm. My greatest joy, and this is funny because this is the second time I've been asked this question today. I was with a friend and they asked the question. Mm -hmm. My greatest joy is honestly bringing women together from around the world and like having diverse energies present. Like, I don't even think they have to say anything. Just like knowing that there's women from like all these countries just like warms my heart in a way that I can't explain. Um, and just knowing that I'm like hearing feedback from people that somehow their life has been impacted. Like it's hard for me to really even process it and believe it. Um, but just knowing that there's something good that's happening through the work that I'm doing. Like, I think that's one of my favorite things about working with the global sisterhood and working with women is just knowing that there's a foot that went in a direction that feels good to this person and they want to share and that to me is like so amazing. And the most difficult aspect I think is like having all your shit come up, you know, <laughs> like you have to do the work too. Like I have to become a better sister and I have to become a better friend and I have to become a better daughter because that's the work I'm committed to. Like 
professionally. You know, I had an experience last year where I ended up in this situation with this other woman. It was over a man. There was like this competition thing that ensued. And when I asked this man for clear feedback about how I showed up in that situation, he shared with me that he could sense competition and it sent me on this whole spiral. And I ended up writing an email to the global sisterhood saying, you know, I, I competed with this woman and look, I do all this work trying to stop competition with women and to heal and all this kind of stuff. And look, I'm still doing it. And I got so many beautiful responses because it's like the work doesn't end, you know, we can, it's the spiral. It's like, you just get to like an outer layer. Um, but it's still, it's still present. And so that's, that's the hardest part. You know, it has a good side and a bad side, but it's like, you really have to do the work. Like I'm, I'm committed to it. So I, th I think that's that's the deepest commitment. That is devotion. When you literally put yourself into the work, where your your all of your stuff comes up, where where you cannot sit, stay safe, right? This mm -hmm. is really you choosing this for yourself, so you cannot let yourself off the hook. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is this is our way of of keeping ourselves committed to to mm -hmm. this work. Mm -hmm. And to close, I'd like to ask. I mean. I, I don't know why I ask this, this of people, but I do. Are you like truly joy? Do you have periods of joy in your life? Are you joyful? Do you, do you feel when you look back, you know, when, when you were doing the thing and, you know, just kind of plugged into the system, I feel like sometimes I, I think back to that and I'm like, oh, it was so much easier. You know, like it was, there's, there was no, it was just clockwork right and sometimes I'm like oh why did I even open up this can of worms sometimes it's just so tough but like do you do you feel that your your life is filled with more joy now are you more alive and are you truly happy that you opened up that can of worms yeah I mean it's a great question because it definitely hasn't been easier um and even yesterday I was like would I pick this again again um but it's so interesting because on a day-to-day -day basis like I'm so much more free in my body I'm so much more confident in who I am I'm so grateful that I get to do something that I care about and that I get to pay myself enough money to get to be able to like live my life and so there's there's a joy in that there's a joy in responsibility and taking care of something and seeing it grow and blossom and uh, myself grow and blossom in the process. And so like, I, I believe that I'm like a generally happy person. And I think there's like so much satisfaction and joy that can come from taking responsibility for something and, and yeah, seeing what happens when you put like love and water and care into it. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I lose it. I lose inspiration, uh, drive. I am just literally just lose it because sometimes I'm like, I don't even know if I would want anyone else to experience what I'm experiencing many times, you know, and then like, how do I, how do I tell you to, to, or not tell you, but how do I, why would I even want you to wake up when, you know, <laughs> I don't really know if I'm, I'm really able to carry on with this but um i feel like we have no other choice but do that because i feel like times are calling for that so 
Um, I really appreciate you and the work that you do and, and your organization. So how do people get involved with you or yeah. with your work? Yeah. So you can always go check out our website and it's globalsisterhood.org or you can find us on Instagram at the global sisterhood. Um, you know, we have tons of free resources that you can go ahead and check us out and see, you know, if our work resonates with you. Um, a lot of our messaging is on our Instagram. So you can kind of like feel out our vibe. You can listen to our podcast. Um, it's called the time of the feminine and you can explore some of our different guests, guests and, uh, yeah. And just kind of feel, and then if you want to go deeper, we have courses and trainings and all kinds of stuff. So, um, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. And I know, I mean, I, I, I can feel it, you know, I, I know that women like the, women I I'm, I shouldn't be speaking for women I know that I like sometimes the you know the pretty and the um the glitter and everything but I I know that what really resonates with me is this deep deep truth and and your messages are are like like that so I know that uh your organization and what you stand for is is really truly deep and and I appreciate that I really do mm -hmm. uh, yeah so thank, thank you, you so much for, for doing the work that you do. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with me today, even though the microphone wasn't working and just doing it anyway. So thank you so much, Shana. I really thank appreciate you it. Thank so much, honey. It's such a beautiful, it was so beautiful to be here in the interview with you and for you to be vulnerable and share and yeah, thank you. Likewise.